welcome to the Let's Scare My Girlfriend to Death podcast. I'm your co-host, Josh. And I'm your co-host, the girlfriend, Cindy. Happy September, listeners. You are listening to... I feel like I'm doing opening a radio show now. You are listening to Let's Scare My Girlfriend to Death, the only podcast where a boyfriend tries to slowly murder his girlfriend with horror movies. For her teacher salary and pension. Yay! It's hard to... We just... It's hard to pass up that there's that sweet, sweet $2,000 yeah. that I'm so worth. There's so much there. Yeah. Uh, welcome to September. New month. New theme. Okay. And what is the theme? This month, um, we're going to do what we originally gonna, what we were originally going to do for August, which is directors who f- whose first films mm-hmm. were vampire movies. Okay. I'm trying to remember the full title because you told us the end of last week. It, what is it? Vampires. The first one we're doing is A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night. Okay. All right. All so, the way back in 2015. It's the most modern of the movies we're going to be watching this month. Who is the um, director? or that? Well, before that, let's talk about 2015. Okay. 2015. What's going on? <laughs> you tell me. What happened to you in 2015? Um, I think think that was the start of the year that we all that of my life that I forget the year of the Nixon blackout I think it was t- 2015 to 2016 so your coke binge <laughs> I wish I wish it was that fun no uh we, you know we've talked about that before when you run away when you run away and elope in a movie it's fun and the movie ends when you run away and elope in real life the guy turns out to be kind of creepy and divorces you via text message it's like that's the real world the graduate ends and you're like oh and then you realize that you're married to dustin hoffman yeah and you're like uh okay i think my 2015 was was the year that i got the stuff and knocked out of me at uh presley ridge oh so okay that was 2015 so it sounds like 2015 was the year that we got shaken up and put on the road to found, find each other. Aww. I didn't get shaken up. I got the shit kicked out of me. Well, I mean, I kind of did, but that's okay. Emotionally. You got the shit kicked out of you emotionally. Emotionally. I got the shit kicked out of me. Reality. Almost physically. So there you go. Wild um, job. 2015. What was going on in, in the, the world? world that is, was the last year of Obama, wasn't it? Well, technically, he was president all through, all through 2016, and then Trump would have taken office <laughs> in 2017. Right. Right, um, right. So this is the second to last year. It's also the year of the Charlie Hebdo shooting. Oh, wow. In yeah. Paris. Cuba and the United States reestablished diplomatic communications and relations. Um, the, My sister went to go, went to Cuba like within months of that. Yeah, uh, the United States accidentally airstruck a Doctors Without Borders hospital in <laughs> Afghanistan. Accidentally. So, there you go. Okay. The people that we lost the air were Leonard uh, Leonard Nimoy, Terry Pratchett, BB oh. King, uh, Christopher Lee, Omar Sharif, and Lemmy. It was sir. a really hard. That's a really hard year. Yep. Um, We've talked about this year before because this is the year of the invitation. Um, there was another movie we did for the podcast for 2015, but I know we did the invitation. It was also the year that The Revenant, Bone Tomahawk, The Martian, Sicario, Bridge of Spies, Carol, and The Witch. The Witch. There it is. All came okay. out that year. So there you go. 
That was 2015 in a nutshell. Now. Now. Are you ready? Are we ready for a girl I'm walks? Gonna, what is it? <laughs> a girl walks. A girl, a girl walks home alone at night. At night. I was going to say, are you ready? I'm just going to give you the tagline to this movie. Cindy, okay. are you ready? I'm ready. For the first Iranian vampire western. Iranian vampire western. The first. The first. And okay. to my knowledge only. <laughs> uh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> this movie is directed, it's written and directed by uh, Anna Lily Amirpour, who would go on to direct The Bad Batch. And an upcoming episode of Guillermo del Toro's Cabinet of Curiosities. Nice. Can't wait um, for that. This is her first film, keeping in line with what will be a whole theme of everyone's first film being a vampire movie. She was born to Iranian parents in England before they moved to the United States when she was in elementary school. And her childhood was, was wild. a combination of being the, Iranian the and child of Iranian parents. And British. And American pop culture, twenty four seven. So All right, like the traditionalist, the traditionalism of like mom and dad, and then it's very interesting because America in the eighties. I think that, I mean, it, in America, uh, first generation Americans from you know immigrant parents have these really interesting stories that are just now kind of being told, and so I'm kind of curious what first generation immigrants in britain do you know what i mean like what are the mm-hmm. things that they that was so hard for them to like assimilate and, and kind of break down um so that's I, kind of interesting i once heard it described and i i think my favorite description of like how this works is was from martin scorsese when he was talking about his family he was like my grandparents were italian who moved here but they were italian okay my parents were italian american right and then i'm an american italian and then my kids are just American. Okay. Like, an, yeah, the way it kind of breaks down. You know, when you first come over here, you're like, I mean, I'm in America, but I'm definitely still, like, from yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, And then their children are like, oh, we're like, we grew up in a culture in the house of from there. <laughs> and, but then I go to school and, like, there's American shit. Right. And then it just slowly delineates until you get to where it's just like, your kids are fucking American, man. Yeah, like, more American than anything else. Yeah. Yep. So that's how that... I just always like the way you described that. I enjoyed it. Yeah, that's a really um, great way. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but this is her first movie. It is one hour and 41 minutes long. I believe the longest of the month. Okay. It is not rated, and it was released April 20th of that year of 2015. Okay. I will say this movie is produced in part by a group called Spectre Vision, which is a group of fellas, including Daniel Noah and Elijah Wood. Yes. Okay. That Elijah Wood. I, all right. You when saw the look on my I was like, uh, okay. When he's not throwing rings into the lava of Mount Doom, he's okay. producing Iranian vampire westerns. <laughs> so there you go. There we go. Okay. Um, I'm going to talk to you real fast about the cast, um, none of which you were going to know. <laughs> so here we but go. But here we go. Uh, Sheila Vand plays the girl. She was in Argo and the, the aforementioned girl TV show. Okay. Uh, we have Arash Morandi as playing a character whose name is Arash. He was in Under okay. the Shadow. Marshall Manesh plays Hussein the Junkie. He was in How I Met Your Mother, but more importantly to people like me, mm-hmm. he is the doctor in The Big Lebowski who's like, slide your shorts on, please. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. 
<laughs> no, man, she hit me. She hit me here. I, I get that, but pledge your short tongue, please. Um, <laughs> you do love that movie. <laughs> Mosan Marno plays Ati the prostitute. All right. She was in The Blacklist and House of Cards. Uh, we got Dominic Reigns playing Saeed the pimp. He was in a movie called Burn Country and Chicago Med. So I bet your mom would. I was going to say, yeah, that means the, yeah. the the birthday girl. Yep. Rome Chandelier plays uh, Shadea, the okay. princess. She was in Cougars and Private Practice and I believe is now like no longer acting. Oh, right. And be- got her doctorate in like counseling and therapy and does nice. like trauma therapy, I believe. So, Excellent. There you go. And then the last person I'm going to talk about is Rezo Sixo Safri. Rezo Sixo Seven. Oh, what? A character named Rockabilly. Okay. Uh, who is also the writer. I, that's adorable. Yeah. The writer, producer of Prisoners of the Ghostland. All right. Which was that Nick Cage movie where they attach bombs to his dick <laughs> and stuff to get him to go and I, do like I, it's I, I did insane. not know that. It's an insane Didn't movie. know that movie existed, but okay. Now, you do. now I do. You're and right. That shit. Crazy. All right. <laughs> huh. Well, there you go. I learned something new every day. So uh, good thing we love us some Nick Cage. All right. We've reached this part of the podcast where uh, Josh shows me a poster from the movie and I'm going to tell us the plot. Okay. I'm going to say you can't just say Iranian Vampire Western. Iranian Vampire Western. <laughs> uh, it is red, white, and black. Background is red. Picture a picture kind of like a an uncircumcised black dick with like a white face drawn on it. That's kind of what you've got interesting okay so i'm gonna um i'm going to say that this movie is about a girl uh walking home from something and something happens because she's alone and it's nighttime and it will be and she's turned into a vampire okay (laughs) there you go i'm pretty proud of that synopsis um i think that's i think that's what it's gonna be yeah (laughs) got it that's it uh you're laughing at me or with me i'm not sure anymore just enjoying it okay i think you are going to really like this movie all right Um, i hope i do i don't know if it's going to be your favorite movie do we have any kind of trigger warnings or anything that we need to heads up both me and the other uh audience members out there any uh, I mean, terrifying. There is like substance use. No, yeah, well that. All right. I mean. I mean, I think that's it. There's nothing else I can really think of off the top of my head. Okay. I say that, and we'll start watching it. And you're like, there's a horrific infant side here, or so infant this side. This guy's gonna pick oh, up this dog and just rip it in half, and I'm yeah. gonna be like, uh, oh, I forgot about that. But no, there's none of that. Yeah. There is a cat in this movie. The scariest part of Jurassic Park to me as a child was the goat scene, where I just cried and cried and cried and cried. Yeah pretty awful okay anyway where can we watch this film uh, my it's, dear it's streaming on tubi and it's also on um if you've got the amc plus subscription it's on there all right um you can rent it anywhere if you don't have those but it literally if you don't mind sending your commercials it's free on tubi cool yeah tubi seems to be T-B-I. where uh, a lot of stuff is i think as netflix goes down tubi is beginning so keep an eye on it so. all right well join us won't you Mind the doors. Jericho home.
شبیه کجا بودی؟ دختر در تاریکی کنده قمت منو نمیدونی خیلی شدید از پشت اون کوه چیزی عوض میشد It was indeed an Iranian vampire western. That is correct. Emphasis on Iranian? Yeah. Vampire. Vampire. I mean, I guess it was like a I, I desert th- town. I think it was more like the style that it was shot. A little spaghetti westernish. Yes. Rather yeah. than, oh, this is actually a, in, taking place in a western state. Um, it was more, oh, it kind of was almost a silent film at some parts. And black and white and the way it was kind of shot and all these you know, bleak landscape sort of a thing. Yeah. The, uh, so just so you're aware, <laughs> the reason that this and um, the follow-up movie from this director uh, have so little dialogue is she only has about 70% of her. Oh, okay. So she's bringing that to. She's like, let's just have music and a lot of like telling through sure. images. Do it. That's rather a... than like a lot of just people talking. This was a very beautiful picture. I enjoyed it. It was something a little different it was it had unexpected parts and i really liked it and i didn't know that air that the iranian version of arabic like i don't think i've ever heard it in conversation the way that it was does that make sense Mm -hmm. you know uh i am a white woman i acknowledge my privilege and have never heard just like two people talking. It's always been like somebody yelling at somebody else or a very bad stereotype. Well, I was going to say, um, I think that you've been conditioned the same way that I think we've all been a little conditioned, mm-hmm. which is if you hear like Farsi being spoken consistently, in a, it's usually by a villain. Right. That's and they're true. usually like hamming up their villainry. Right. Um, it's kind of so like, like, oh, that shit sounds scary. It's not just dark. a German accent. It's a German, you know, it's really yeah, overdone. Like, like they're going at it at, at 110% because they're the bad guy. But I got to say, and, the, and I, I spoke French and I, I understand French and I speak English. Um, it's a really beautiful language. It, it, I think it's more lilting and flowy than... Um, than even like any of the romance languages. Do you know what I mean? It definitely had a real beautiful cadence to it. And that is the number one thing I hate about my native people's tongue. I can't handle people like Norway and Denmark. Their cadence is wrong and I don't like it. Uh, It is bad. Listeners of the show Mm -hmm. uh, will remember that the accent and language that I find most annoying is Flemish. (laughs) Um, what movie was that that we I forget? But I was, we was talking about Dutch people, yes. and I was like, they speak like French and like some German, and then like their native tongue, 
which I forgot was called Flemish. Oh my fucking god! If you think if you think Farsi is like beautiful and like kind of sexy, Flemish yeah. is like the inverse of that, <laughs> right? Well, it's kind of okay. like when you hear a Russian person right speak English with a Russian accent, you're like. That dude sounds like he goes fucking hard. Right. And then you hear him speak Russian, and you're like, what the fuck are you doing? It sounds ridiculous. It was just like I found myself trying like, um, trying to listen as if it was French because it had kind of that flowy cadence of like the vowels that kind of all run into each other. And so there were a few times I found myself like having to like physically like, stop, stop stop it's not stop i need to just read the words rather than trying to listen for what they're saying because it's not french it's not english it was but it was very pretty i mean i what a silly thing to talk about but it's true no i mean it's true it's interesting to talk about because if i'm not mistaken and i probably am because i'm not in any way an expert in that but latin probably borrowed a lot oh for sure farsi especially because the romans were like maybe the greatest culture of just take that and make it our own. Yes. Right? Like yeah. from the Greeks, from like North Africans, from like Absolutely. the Middle East. Everywhere they went, they were like, oh, fuck. And, yeah. There's a thing we can take and just say we did it first. Yeah. So it would and, make sense that they were like, okay, so you've got like the most advanced language. Boop, boop, boop. Linguistically. Steal some of it. You know, that's like what linguists do is they kind of study the family tree of how, where all speech kind of comes from. And so it would make sense that the Middle Eastern um language and dialect almost into like north african well yes definitely into north african what am i talking about that probably is the almost original language if that makes sense because that's kind of where we kind of determined that you know homo sapiens and kind of started well but here's the thing hmm. the original language is english with a thousand years ago whenever the whenever. earth was made right um we all were speaking english right um so i don't know what you're talking about right now yeah my bad i'm sorry i totally (laughs) forgot this is welcome back to the duggars (laughs) welcome back to the duggars 17 kids and counting recap podcast Uh, welcome back to josh and cindy's creationist podcast (laughs) today we're talking arcs and iranian vampire movies let's go (laughs) okay so all that aside what was this movie about this movie was about a a young man who is trying to deal with an addict of a father and his own kind of internal struggles and trying to kind of be this young adult. And he falls in love with a woman who happens to be a vampire. Who, more importantly, kills men. Kills all the men who do anything shitty to women in this movie. Well, yeah. She's lovely. And that's kind of why they fall for each other, is that they both kind of have these... He's so good. And she wants the world to be like him so they kind of were like a magnet drawn to each other and that's kind of how i interpret the ending as well anywho what does Um, imdb say they have in the iranian ghost town bad city oh yeah a place that reeks of death and loneliness the townspeople are unaware they're being stalked by a vampire i loved the take on using a burqa rather than like a vlad the impaler-esque cape burqa or is there a different term for that because i guarantee there is and i do not because a burqa is like a, i believe like a full the body full covering. body we came prepared for this episode i'm so sorry <laughs> i again i acknowledge our privilege um i definitely looked up 
once what the male versions of that were. Um, head cut women. Okay. Uh, why I do this. I, okay. Okay. Let's just get down to breast tacks and talk about. So essentially. It's called a hijab. There you go. Okay. That's, yeah, that's the, it's a one name for a variety of headscarves. So it's easy, it's easier for us to say in the West. Okay. So it's acceptable that, uh, my ghostly whiteness can say that. So I loved that. I love, I love, love, love when Middle Eastern cultures can very easily show like it's the same thing. You know, like I don't understand people who freak out over a burqa when we make nuns wear the same thing. It's whatever. Um, so the idea of like her hijab having that flowy, like a Dracula, and it also kind of masks her because it covers so much of her, you know, she doesn't look the same when it's just a face. That's why she always has to wear like the same clothes. And so it's like, oh, that is her. Okay. That striped shirt. Yeah. Oh, no? No. I mean, I get what you're saying. I just think of it like, I think of that as a piece of her unit. Okay. Like her whole deal is she goes out at night as a vampire. She has to drink blood. Mm-hmm. Like You have to eat. We're kind of like vampire lore changes wildly depending on what movie we're talking about, right. what period we're talking about, what region we're talking about. I like that. By yeah. and large, drinking blood is universal. Right. There's even vampire movies and stories where they don't have fangs, but they still got to drink blood. Right. Um, so to me, it was this thing of passing as not being dings. Yes, I agree. Like she's just the small woman who puts on this thing, which is like a symbol of like like a cultural signifier, and- even like a patriarchal signifier of like, oh, I'm not dangerous. I know my place. Right. And then until it's time to fucking kill the men that are shitty around her. Now, let's look at that as like Dracula when it was written, the Bram Stoker Dracula and the image that we have of that cape with the high collar. He wore that, right? Because it was a sign of like wealth and status. And it was, oh, he's okay. He can afford these luxurious things like these velvet capes and what. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. So it does kind of have the same thing, whether it was intentional or not. It was really well done. So it's a a uniform for passing. Yes. It's a way to easily blend in with your prey, right? And make them more at ease around you. Right. Like there's this whole concept of she really only kills in this movie. Yes. Right. Only two people die in this whole movie. Towards the beginning, she kills the pimp who... (laughs) Good God. Makes that poor prostitute semi-suck his dick. Right. And then steals the guy's money, car. Right. And steals her money. Refuses yeah. to give her her cut. He, he he treats everyone awfully. Right. He gets the dad presumably hooked on heroin. Mm-hmm. That's what at least what the son believes. Um, so she fucking kills him. Like she goes, yeah. she meets up. Like, she intentionally runs into him. He's like, hey, come back to my place. She goes back to his place. And then she just right? straight up. And then carefully takes off her hijab mm-hmm. and bites that motherfucker's finger off when he's like pretending it's a dick in her mouth. Yeah. Which it was so satisfying. That's more symbolism for you, right? Loved that. She chomps the finger off that he's using to like run in and out of her mouth like a penis. Yep. And then she makes him eat it. Yeah. And then fucking kills him and then takes all of his shit and basically like solves the problems for half the characters. Right, because he gets his car back because he stumbles into the apartment and sees him dead, doesn't really know what happened, but just kind of goes, okay, and, you know, takes the money, takes the drugs, and takes his car back. And so this is where we kind of come to, it's sad, 
but uh, so his father is he's hooked on some sort of opioid but it's heroin i that would assume i mean he cooks it on a spoon it's right definitely heroin well i don't know how you take opium anymore like is that, when is that I something used you to, smoke when i used to do opium in college occasionally we would get a glob of it on like a safety pin and then just hold a lighter up to it and then inhale the flame so the smoke well okay we all learned something today the more you know so um he gets there's the, a special pipe for opium he, yeah he gets the the drugs and he's trying to get his father to just wean off of and he just can't he finally just throws him out and it, it's he finally gets the courage because he has the love of this woman this vampire and he just says, you know, like, get out, just go take all the drugs you want and just get the fuck out. And then he does. And the dad is killed by the vampire, not because he's the dad, because he got, gave the hooker. What Now, let's talk about that. What was her relationship with that hooker that she was so concerned about her? Do you think it was like... I... Okay, I look at it like this. And I'm going to use the little boy as a justification for why it bogus. Okay. So the beginning of the movie, there's basically like three victims, two deaths, three victims. So the first person she runs into is the pimp. She fucking kills. Right. Right. Fuck that guy. Like that guy sucks. Right. And then she has an altercation where she scares the shit out of that little boy. To Yeah. Always be good. Cause she's always looking. Yeah. Like you need to understand like the society you're coming up in. If you act this way, Mm -hmm. I will fucking kill you. Right. Because you don't do these things. You don't treat women this way. You don't treat other people this way. That's Um, correct. I'm nodding along. Yes. Sagely nodding. And the thing is, like, it's it's interesting because it's it's like a twofold thing I noticed. Because, yes, she's killing men that were awful to women, especially that prostitute, right? Right. And, like, other people in the community. But she's also killing men who have gotten really far from what the traditional Middle Eastern man is supposed to be or Right, do. like head of the household. Like, literally one is a pimp mm-hmm. that like a bad one. Is a terrible person who hurts people and steals money from them. Mm-hmm. And then the other one she kills is a father who is on drugs and takes it like literally shoots heroin into a hooker. Right. And lets his family down. Like Okay. That's so fair. is she like a combination person who is taking down, let's say, the patriarchy or taking right. down these men who are terrible and hurt women. Or, or is she also an agent that's restoring the status quo of like... Oh, fascinating. So which one Stuff. do you think it is? Because she talks um, to the kid and she's like, if you essentially go bad, if you fuck up, if you do what these men are done, if you go that route, I will kill you. Right. Is it because you're out there hurting women? Or is it because you're you've gotten not so far afield from where you're what, supposed what to they're be? Supp- right. Oh, I wonder. And maybe is that kind of what the hijab is symbolized? Is that she puts that on to be like, this is my role. You need to be your role. You don't, if you're not doing your role, you failed. Like, so I'm going to be honest. I think it's more of an avenging like patriarchy angel thing. But you could okay. definitely see it as like, she is there to also fuck up people that get too far from what their assigned role be or what they're what they should be doing with their lives right right. like almost like death punishing you for fucking up okay so well all right so she 
kills the the father and sets it up like an overdose because of course but what she doesn't know i think they set it up like well they just kind of like chuck his ass over the hill no everyone who dies in this movie they kind of well she doesn't chuck him over the hill they just kind of lay him out yeah he's found outside and it's presumed that like oh that's what happened over the hill yes that well all the bodies end up going over there so she does that because what he did to the prostitute and then she ipso facto finds out like oh that's my boyfriend's father fuck but at the same time it it just all kind of culminates in this very nice ending that kind of wraps things up nicely so the ending that you're talking about Mm -hmm. is he realizes that you know my dad is dead I have nothing to keep me here. I need to get the fuck away from this place because nothing good is here. She and he has a ton of money. Yeah, the only the only good thing in Bad City is her. Right. Even though she has told him like I am not, I am bad. And he kind of figures out. I think you know they don't have to have a say the word. You know, Mm -hmm. Bella's and uh, Um, Edward situation. But so, but. The cat that he saved at the beginning of the movie mm-hmm. is at her house. And that's so how he, he realizes. He realizes that she killed her, his father. Right. And then there's that moment where they drive off and he stops and gets out of the car. And the movie literally ends with him like having to make the decision. Do I carry on with this woman that I love who also is a monster? Uh, yeah, obviously some sort horrible of monster. Um, literally. But I, then again. He chooses her. Everyone in this movie is kind of a monster. Yep. Right? To a degree? 100%. Yes, they are. So the pimp is just fucking outright evil. I don't think he does anything positive in the course no, of the movie. I would agree. Uh, I would say the kid's the only one that's not a monster. Yeah, um, that poor kid. It's the, not his fault he has to grow up in Bad City. <laughs> right? Arash, the, the young man that mm-hmm. falls in love with a vampire. Um, Thank you for remembering his name. like a good guy, but the minute that he's like, oh, I've got these drugs, he just sells them. Right. Like... And there's I, no qualms about it. And yeah. he steals those earrings. Yep. He right? doesn't. Yeah. When, when he's given the chance to do like the kind of the right thing as far as like, okay, let's take these drugs, get them off the street or yep. whatever. He um, just immediately starts selling them to try and get with this girl that he's interested in at the first half of the movie. I mean, the prostitute is a sex worker who also sells drugs. Mm-hmm. Like everyone kind of sells drugs. In this. Uh, and yeah. then the dad's like a drug addict. He's, hooked on heroin so everyone's got like you know and he is an asshole to his son yeah. like everyone has these moments where they're terrible at which that is what brings me to what i think mm. the theme of this movie is and what is it dear because I, I there's definitely a thing of like you know this is like you could say feminism you mm-hmm. could say like either defending the status quo destroying the patriarchy however you want to say it but i think at the end of the day right this movie is about Go on. Accepting and loving someone for who they are, not who you want. Oh, okay. Like, ah, everyone in this movie is hiding something. And they want, you know, like he wants her to love him, but she's like, I'm a fucking terrible person. And he's like, I don't care. Yeah. I kind of am too, you know? And then the, the ending where he's outside, he has to make the choice. Like, okay, I'm confronted with the truth. She was not bullshitting. Mm-hmm. She's a monster. Literally, yep. What do I do? And he decides, I'm going to get back in the car, and we're going to go off together. Yeah, we're going to leave this place behind. And it, he accepts her on her terms for what she is, mm-hmm. just like she's had to accept him for and what he upend is. her life. Right. Like, packing her few belongings. 
Yeah, she does have a little apartment. Her bag and of insane jewelry that she's taken off of, like, <laughs> off dude, the she's killed. Yep. Um, yeah, so it's literally, like... It's a good movie. To love someone, you have to accept them on their terms. Flaws and all, works and all. Yeah, you can't expect them to be perfect. Right. Um, and I think that's what this movie's about. I think you are right. I would. I, this is something I would agree with you on. You have, I mean, it's it's a solid movie, and there's a lot to be kind of taken and gleaned from it. I don't think this is a movie we can archive. I mean, this it, isn't a real archive movie. I mean, there are boobs in that in the bathtub scene. There are boobs. There are vampire um, boobs in this movie. I don't know if that counts for anything. <laughs> I mean, so this movie is less like drive-in and more art house i like fucking yeah david lynch is what that's what i was watching it that's because i said it out loud i said oh this is why you like this this is a very david lynch fucking movie so you just chuckled and chuckled (laughs) anyway it yeah this movie is not for everyone right I, i really liked it though i really did this was a a very good movie i didn't think i'd like it there's just because I mean, who a vampire, a vampire Middle Eastern Western. That that sounds weird, doesn't it? Yeah. But like, it it was it works. It works real well. I liked it a lot. What are we watching next week? As we continue with our famous directors whose first movies were vampire movies. Um, month. <laughs> got to come up with a better title for that. But go ahead. I'm I'm just the person who picks the movies. You got to do the. I got to do the creative work. Is that this? Okay. Yeah. Um, so we're going to stay in the West. Wah, wah, wah. And have you ever seen that movie, by the way? Yeah. What movie is that? Um, Officially. Because I may have seen it and just forgotten, and you know that. I believe it's The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly. No. It's either The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly, or For a Few Dollars More. Either way, that's a negative on me. It's Those are two, numbers two and three of the uh, Eastwood Dollars trilogy, Sergio Leone. Don't care. In 1966. Mm. I think it was 66. Welcome to my Westerns podcast that I will be doing with my father. (laughs) That would be fun. Join us next week when we talk about The Searchers. Um, (laughs) John Wayne plays a massive racist asshole. Uh, Now we're going to do Near Dark. Near Dark is next up on the agenda. It is where this movie is a Western kind of. Right. New York I, oh, is I say yes. way more of a western. Okay, what is the name of it? It's called it's called Near, Near Dark. Dark. It sounds familiar. What year did it come out? Like eighty seven, I think. Oh yeah, I mean, there's no way I saw this movie, but it just all right. Okay, well, until next time. I'm Josh, and I'm Cindy, and I'm still his girlfriend. Yeah.